0: Welcome to the Museum of Femininity, a podcast where I, Charlotte Appleyard, discuss random topics of interest that relate to social history, art and material culture through a female lens. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Museum of Femininity. Today I will be analysing the painting Judith Slaying Holofernes, which was completed in 1620 by Artemisia Gentileschi. Artemisia Gentileschi was born in 1593 as the daughter of renowned artist Orazio Gentileschi, who undoubtedly taught her a great deal, as by the tender age of 17, her work displayed a high level of sophistication. She has risen in prominence recently, after falling into obscurity for many years, despite her great success during her lifetime and numerous high-status patrons. One aspect of her biography which is often emphasised was the terrible sexual exploitation she faced at the hands of artist and collaborator of her father, Agnostio Tassi, who raped her and forced her into a prolonged relationship. When he did not fulfil his promise of marriage, Orazio accused Tassi of rape and a humiliating public trial ensued, which caused a pitifully lenient sentence for the crime and the ruin of Gentileschi's reputation, causing her to leave Rome. I think this period in Gentileschi's life is important as it evokes her resilience in the face of personal tragedy within the confines of a strict social world that placed many obstacles before women, preventing them from progressing beyond the expectations of their gender. In addition, this may account for the passion, anger and emotion that exudes all of her work, which deals with the unwanted pursuit of women, such as the leering old men cornering the innocent young girl in Susanna and the Elders, or, indeed, in the ventral subject of today's painting. She shortly after married fellow artist Pietro Sietesi in 1611 and moved to Florence. There, her work flourished as she painted numerous biblical subjects in dramatic, classically Baroque style, with sharply contrasting light and exquisitely rendered figures, which are filled with action and emotion. Gentileschi was a wonderful marketer as well, and often painted self-portraits, which attracted curiosity around her work. Once more, her clientele were wealthy aristocrats, and she was highly regarded among the artistic community. She also continued to collaborate with her father, and helped him complete the ceiling in Greenwich Palace, during her visit to London, when her father was living as the current court painter. Like many girls of the time, Artemisa was not taught how to read and write. Instead, she taught herself later in life, and wrote many lively letters to lovers and patrons, which paint a wonderfully evocative portrait of a strong and hugely talented artist. The painting we are talking about depicts the an episode from the book of Judith in the Old Testament, which tells the story of the slaying of Assyrian general Holofernes at the hands of the Israelite heroine, Judith, and shows the moment when Judith, assisted by her maid Abra, beheaded the general after he fell asleep drunk. Their aim was to save their town, which was under attack, and Judith's main weapon is her beauty, which she successfully uses to deceive her victim into a false sense of security. Judith is clad in a gold gown and is pinning Holofernes to the bed, her left hand grasping his hair as she forces his head down, while the other hand, grasping a saw's, cuts into his throat. There is also a triangle of fabric in the middle of their interlacing arms, which suggests she has her knee on his body, to further help hold him down. Her expression is intense, determined, with a creased brow and a firm mouth. Her maid, wearing a, t- a turban and colbate blue dress, holds holofernes down as well, as he squirms and struggles in the moment of giving up, life seeming to be leaking out of his shadowy, bearded face as a gruesome spout of blood spurts from his neck. Blood is also staining and trickling down the mattress, its crimson colour matching the velvet hue of the bedsheets he lays beneath. Artemisia's technique is exquisite with a masterful grasp of chiaroscuro, which echoes the work of Caravaggio in its striking contrast between light, light and dark, and sumptuous execution of textures and fabrics. Overall, the image is incredibly physical, And filled with emotion and intense realism. You sense the struggle and the full extent of Judith's anger. The influence of Caravaggio cannot be denied. He also painted his own version of the scene 20 years earlier. He was a master of shadows and created a vivid visual language of emotion that disturbed but intrigued many viewers who were startled by its realism. His holly furnace screams out in agony, with blood gushing from his neck, and his body twisted in pain. Judith, however, stands at some distance, holding him with little struggle, and remaining straight and poised, a concerned expression on her delicate, beautiful face. The maid is also an elderly woman, standing to one side, looking on as a passive accessory. Although, like Caravaggio, Artemisa tackled the daring and shocking moment of execution, many would argue that her painting is far more visceral and caught up in the brutality of the moment, as their tangle of arms wrestle while bathed in blood. You can practically see the strain on the women's faces as they work together to commit this terrible act. A lot can be said for depicting a female subject from the perspective of a female artist and I think this is a key example of how this can elevate the work, or at least make it feel very different. Although it is reductive to pin this purely on the artist's gender, as, I believe, Artemisia was probably just an exceptional artist, who had her own unique and powerful take on the composition, regardless of her gender. Prior to this very Baroque interpretation of the subject, The scene most commonly focused on was the aftermath, not the execution itself. For example, in Tintoretto's 1579 painting, you see an unbothered and stylishly dressed Judith timidly pulling a sheet over Holofernes' body, the open wound shrouded in shadows as she looks inquiringly at her maid. In fact, this was a common interpretation, displaying Judith in finery as a noble woman pure and unbloodied, following her deed, as if this somehow justifies the fact she has just decapitated a man, based on the respectability and attractiveness of her appearance. As discussed earlier, Artemisia has become more prominent in recent years, mostly due to the proto-feminist interpretation of her work, which claims her savage execution of men and focus on strong female characters, serves as a source of revenge against her abuser. Some even say Holofernes is a portrait of Tassie, although from descriptions they seem very different, as Tassie was quite short and had very distinct features. Another reason why people may have made this connection in the past is that this painting was completed three years after the trial and therefore was probably fresh in her mind and helped her identify with the protagonist. As a professional artist with a flourishing career, it is doubtful personal events in her life would have fed so consistently into her work. We must also realise that she was in the employ of patrons, many of which were wealthy dukes and kings who followed the 17th century taste for dramatic biblical stories. In addition, as a female painter, she would have been limited to female models, explaining why her daughter features often in her work and why she herself features often in her work, and can further point to her emphasis on subjects where women are at the forefront. The subject of Judith is also a fascinating one, and has been very popular for centuries, as Judith was perceived by many as being the Old Testament equivalent to the Virgin Mary, and the paragon of female virtuosity and devotion to faith. This was particularly the case in the medieval era, where paintings by Mantegna and Botticelli depict Joseph wearing a modest blue apparel, looking very similar to the common images of the Virgin Mary. Her refusal to go through with any seduction also indicates her piety and adds fervor to this narrative. In the 15th century, she came to be a female counterpart to David, who slayed Goliath despite the odds which were stacked against him. This was particularly the case in a political context, as both David and Judith could easily symbolise the power and resilience of a small state against a large invader, and together they served as excellent figureheads for the insular but prominent Florentine state. Once more, Judith is sometimes depicted as a warrior, wearing armour or wielding a sword in a very masculine way, even with rippling muscles. I think this explains why Artemisia would be commissioned to complete a painting of this subject, as it was clearly popular and she was based in Florence. However, unlike the virginal or fierce warrior Judiths completed by past artists, Artemisia's women are not symbolic. They are startlingly real and recognisable as individual people, captured in a moment of brutal, vengeful violence. Perhaps due to her gender, Artemisia was able to see beyond the prim and perfect expectations of the biblical heroine and the contemporary politicising of her to reach the root of the action itself. I think when analysing paintings by women, it is important to not focus too heavily on their gender and experiences influencing their choices of work as we would perhaps not assess male artists in the same way. However, we cannot entirely ignore the stark gender disparities of past centuries and how gender roles affected a woman's place in society. The fact Artemisia was a woman is of vital importance. She would not have followed the trajectory of a Renaissance Baroque painter, and although her father was a prestigious artist, definitely would not have been viewed as or received the same opportunities as other artists. Her work likely would have attracted curiosity and surprise due to its sophistication. The fact she was a woman may even have drawn attention and helped her stand out, or alternatively, it would have prevented her from being taken as seriously. Her personal reputation was also more likely to be under attack. For example, what happened between her and Tassie leading to her fleeing Rome, as if she was the one who did something wrong. Once more, unlike a man, she was forced to marry, and although she became the main earner for the family, was not free to carve her own independent life and career, separate from male control. I think when you factor these things in, and analyse the beauty and expertise of her craft, as well as its raw honesty, what emerges is a woman of remarkable strength and determination, he was perhaps one of the most gifted artists of the Baroque, who could stand shoulder to shoulder with Caravaggio himself. It was as she said to a Sicilian patron, quote, I will show your illustrious lordship what a woman can do, quote. I hope you enjoyed this mini-episode of the Museum of Femininity, which was suggested by an Instagram follower. If you'd like to suggest a painting, please reach out on Instagram at the Museum of Femininity, where you can also find all images referenced in today's episode. I will also include resources in the show notes. So I really hope my points in this episode came across well and was sort of well thought out and easy to follow and understand. I do feel like with Artemisia, um, there has been some slightly reductive interpretations of her work based on the terrible experience she had as a teenager, um, and I think it's perhaps quite narrow-minded for historians in the past to have focused so heavily on this event, and sort of holding it responsible for the the style of her work and how gory and sort of brutal it was, because I don't think that really fed much into her work. Um, I think she was just a prodigy and so gifted and so incredible at what she did. And that had nothing to do with her gender. You know, she was just a fantastic artist. And I really hope I I put that point across. But at the same time, um, you know, it is important to, to recognise that in the 17th century, women did not have as many opportunities as men and there were vast gender differences and different expectations of women Um, however one thing I don't feel like I necessarily get across enough is that within the context of her gender Artemisia was still incredibly privileged because she had the backing of an incredibly prominent father who was already working as a successful artist for kings and aristocrats so that helped elevate her so you know that that is also important to important to recognize that as well as you know being disadvantaged because of her gender she also had lots of other advantages and um when I talk about women in a historic context I am almost always talking about a certain class of women because it's very hard to sort of represent everyone accurately. But I just want to, you know, preface that. Anyway, this is turning into a bit of a random tangent. But uh, I just felt like saying that, I suppose, going off script a bit. Um, And anyway, you know, I hope you have a lovely day. I hope your new year is off to a good start. And um, yeah, I, I hope see you soon for the next episode which will be all about the history of the mermaid so a bit of a more fantastical and light-hearted episode which I hope you find interesting and look out for in the next couple of weeks goodbye